I especially enjoy just going to different states and meeting so many different education support professionals. Like I always say, when you visit other states or speak with other educators from other parts of the U.S., you kind of either see how good you have it or how bad you have it. And not only that, you collaborate, you start relationships, you start friendships that are everlasting. And not only that, but you start communicating, you start sharing ideas, asking questions, and just, just this relationship of friends and just networking occurs. You're listening to School Me, a podcast for new and early career educators from the National Education Association, bringing you the advice you need to bring out the best in your students and yourselves. Here's your host, Renee Carter. Today we're talking to a very special guest, one who I've been trying to get on a podcast for I don't know how long. Saul Ramos is NEA's 2017 Education Support Professional of the Year. Saul is an invaluable resource not only to his local school community, but nationally as an education support professional. He's in his 20th year as a paraeducator. We're going to be talking a little bit with Sewell today about the leadership half as an ESP, but also about his practice as a paraeducator. So welcome, Saul. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your work, about your journey in terms of becoming a professional educator. And I'm going to cheat a little bit because I know your story, and it is such a wonderful story about the students that you've been working with as a para. So if you don't tell those stories, I'm going to make you tell them. So I started 20 years ago, 1999, as a one-on-one paraeducator with a student who was visually impaired. My main goal was just to assess the student in the classroom and make sure he was safe. But once they decided that the student would be learning Braille, I became very interested in it. And I figured the only way I could actually fully service the student is to also learn Braille on my own. So I did. I started getting materials from the vision teachers I worked with, as well as some of the libraries and looking some stuff up online. And I learned the Braille code. I started working with that student and I actually worked with him until he graduated from a technical high school. So I was with him his whole school career and very proud of him. He blossomed into a young man full of knowledge, full of a lot of techniques that could help him in, you know, after he graduated. And still to this day, he's, you know, we still are in contact with each other. And occasionally, if he has any, you know, would like any advice or anything, he always contacts me as well. That, I think, embodies kind of the way so many of our education support professionals are. You did not have those skills, but you were so inspired or so anxious to be able to help this student that you actually went out and learned something that you did not know. One of the things that I liked and a lot of people liked that I did was when I learned those skills, I also made sure that the class my student was in, it was part of the everyday teaching. So for example, when we moved into first grade, the teacher had centers. So they had a math center, a writing center. So I asked if we could have a braille center. And so a lot of the students actually, by the time they reach fifth grade, could read simple words in braille or small things. And they loved it. And at the same time, it also gave 
kind of empowered my student. And also a lot of our students sometimes who have different ways of learning, sometimes they're afraid or they're a little bit self-conscious about it. So this helped them as well. Like if we had an issue, I'd be like, can you help? this other students with this braille and the students loved it and I think it also opened them up as well. So as the 2017 Education Support Professional of the Year, what did you learn? What about that experience has been most valuable to you? I really enjoyed all of it. I especially enjoyed just going to different states and meeting so many different education support professionals. And seeing, like I always say, when you visit other states or speak with other educators from other parts of the U.S., you kind of either see how good you have it or how bad you have it. And not only that, you collaborate, you start relationships, you start friendships that are everlasting. You start communicating, you start sharing ideas, asking questions, and just just this relationship of friends and just networking occurs. One of the other things that I, I found very interesting too, and I don't know, maybe it was, I loved going to Washington State, but it happened there as well. When I got there, after I spoke at their event, I had a lady come up to me in ESP and she was a little bit teary-eyed. And I was afraid maybe I said something that offended her. And she's like, no, on the contrary, she's like, I've been in education for 30 something years. And it's the first time that I see someone like me, Hispanic, being honored. And she's like, it's such an honor to meet you. And to me, it was like, on the contrary, it's an honor for me to meet you being, you know, a veteran of 30 something years. I've been working with the students and making such a difference. Your work as ESP of the Year, you were sort of like an ambassador going across the country, talking not just to ESP, but about ESP. So what would you tell someone who does not necessarily know what an ESP is or how important they are to the education team? You know, I've had this conversation many times just because we are part of an educational team, teachers and education support professionals. But it doesn't just include the paraeducator, it includes all of us. It includes the secretaries, it includes the custodial, cafeteria, bus drivers, IT tech, translators, interpreters, all of them. Because if it wasn't for the specific jobs that each one of us have, we wouldn't be able to make things work together. We always joke too about we know who the person in charge of a school is. It's not the principal. It's the secretary. I mean, whatever you need, the secretary knows who to contact, where to get it. And if things don't go good through them, then it's just not going to happen. As ESP of the year, what did you learn that you would say to NEA as an organization about how NEA works with ESP members? What would you share in terms of advice for the association? My thing is, if, you know, to put out the message, especially to our state and local presidents, that if there's a group that you need to organize, it's this group of education support professionals. Because one of the things we have to remember is, I believe it's about 70, 75% of ESPs live in the same community they work in. So they have their connection. They have the connection to the community. They have the connection to the families, to the parents. They have the connection, especially to change 
anything that needs to be changed politically in the local level, depending on where they live, but they have the votes for the mayor, they have the votes for school committee, they have votes for representatives, all those things. And they're the ones that can make a difference because they know the parents, they know the community. So they're the ones that I think that really needs a little bit more emphasis and to be organized and giving them. Thanks for listening to School Me. And a quick thank you to all the NEA members listening. If you're not yet an NEA member, visit nea.org slash whyjoin to learn about member benefits. Tell ESP members out there how important it is for them and what they get out of, not just for the profession, but in terms of helping their, their students. What do they get as a, as a result of being a member of a union and being active yes. in, in the union? The first thing I want to let them know is that they are the union. It's something we always emphasize. We have our leaders, but you are the ones that run the union. You are the ones why it's there. And as far as what we get, you know, we can get everything from professional development to guidance to just having that safety network and having someone who we can talk to when we have issues. A lot of times as education support professionals, we may feel a little bit intimidated speaking directly to either the teachers we work with or the principals. I mean, we have to, one way or another, kind of establish those relationships so we can be a part, you know, and be able to speak freely. But at the same time, if we need extra guidance, the union is always there for you. There's always ways that we can connect and especially being active because we need their voices in the room. If if our voice is not there, nothing's going to change. And if we want to make sure things change, we have to be active. And I'm not saying run for president of your local. I'm just saying, you know, you have to be present. Start attending meetings, start asking questions. First of all, know your rights, know your contracts, and ask as many questions as you need to, because that's the pathway to start being an active member. What did you learn or experience that you're going to work on now that you are past your time as ESP of the year? There must be something that you, you know, kind of learned or experienced that you said, you know what, I'm going to continue working on that. You know, one of the things I always wanted to do was create kind of like coalitions with different groups and different members. So right now I'm actually also the Northeast Regional Director for the NEA Hispanic Caucus. So the idea that I'm working on right now is to create a coalition of the Northeast Caucuses. So I'll be working hopefully with the directors of the Black Caucus, the Asian Pacific and Islander Caucus, the Native American Alaska Native Caucus, and then I'd also like to invite the directors from the ESP, also from LGBTQ and also from the Women's Caucus. Because I think since we're close, we can work on what issues are happening in our states in the Northeast and set that as an example to move forward and to spread it throughout the other caucuses. Because I think if we, the more we work together, the easier things will be. And like we always say, you know, because someone has an issue or concern, doesn't mean it's not going to affect us. It automatically affects us, no matter whose issue, whose concern it is. We're all in this together. And if not now, 
it will eventually. Exactly. And if we work together, I mean, we find solutions and I think that's what it's all about. What do you know now that you wish you had known on your first day on the job? If you look back on, on Seoul 20 years ago, what is it that you wish you had known then that you know now? Or what do you know now that you wish you had known then? What the union is. Yes, really? I was in the union. I was a member in my field for about 10 years, and I knew I was a member of the union, but I didn't know to what extent or what happened behind closed doors. My idea, and I always joke about this, is that the union was two people in a room, in an office, and if you had a problem, you'd call them, complain, and they'd file it, or I don't know what. And then finally one day somebody approached me and said, I'd like you to be more active in the union. And I said, well, I'm already a member. And then they started explaining. That's how active yes. I am. <laughs> I'm a they member. started explaining about there was a local association, there's a state association, there's a national association, which I had no idea about. They talked to me about the different trainings offered on the local, state, and national level, the different leadership roles, all these events and all these other things, and what they actually advocate for. And I was just completely amazed. I think that's that's one of the things because I think since I became active, I was a, I've been able to do a lot of things, not just for myself, but mainly for other education support professionals. And just to think, not that I wasted 10 years, but I could have been active since day one and hopefully have done maybe more. Mm -hmm. But it's not too late. You're really catching up at a fast I pace. I am. <laughs> My last question, what do you love most about your job? What has kept you doing this work for 20 years and still obviously being enthusiastic about it and finding joy in it? I really love the reaction of my students and their parents when they realize they can do something, whatever it is. A lot of times, or most of the times actually, the parents that I work with and the students, it's the first time having a child or someone in their family who's visually impaired. So by no fault of their own, their first thought is, my child will be limited for the rest of their life, or my child won't be able to do this or ever live on their own or ever you know, walk around or go from place to place. And I love showing the students, first of all, that they can do those things, that they can be independent. Just the look on their face when they're like, oh my God, I just did that. Or even the parents, you know, I can tell you really briefly, I had mm -hmm. one student that I work with and showed him how to, he's blind, showed him how to type on the computer through a program that's specialized for visually impaired students. So he was able to type a lot of things and the computer also has a voice command. So he was able to do a lot of his work on his own, didn't need someone to translate the braille back and forth or anything like that. So one day I told him, I said, you know, tell your parents. And he told me, he told his mom. The next day I asked him, he's like, she didn't believe me. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, she doesn't believe I can type. I'm like, take the laptop home and show your mom. Turn it on, show her how you do your email and everything. And he did. And the next day he came back and I said, did you show your mom? He's like, yes. I'm like, what did she say? He's like, she started crying. And I was like, oh, I'm like, why? She's like, because she said she never thought I would be able to do something like that on my own. 
Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of School Me. And be sure to download the NEA Today app for NEA's member magazines and the latest education advice, tips, and news. 